Great. How are you today? Just fine. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview and to be the face of teachers. Oh, I am so happy <laughs> and honored to be the chosen one. <laughs> because I, I, I ask you to do this interview with me to, I guess, give the teacher's point of view. All the kids are just going back to school and I can kind of say that blame the teacher season has begun. It has begun. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, first let's start with giving our viewers just a little bit of background on you, all of the years that you have been teaching, all of the grades that you've taught, the subjects, mm -hmm. and I mean, because you're from Chi-Town, right? I'm from Chicago, <laughs> yes. Proud, proud, proud. <laughs> I have not even written on my bio that I am living in North Carolina because I'm Chi-Town. Mm. So I absolutely love it. Uh, as you said, I've been a teacher for quite some time now, almost 17 years. I have taught fourth through eighth grade. I, in 2001, I went back to get my master's in reading. So I'm a, I've been a reading specialist. I've been an assistant principal. I've been the classroom teacher. Um, I've been a sister principal and a classroom teacher at the same time, so I've done a lot and seen a lot in almost 17 years. Assistant principal and teacher at the same time? Yes, it was a, what they call have position, so where the, the assistant principal allegedly was supposed to assistant principal half the time and t actually teach up a, a class, a full classroom, at the same time, which I'm telling you is, is not even possible. I felt very bad for those children because I felt like we really did a disservice to them. What grade were you teaching? The first time I taught seventh grade reading only. So that wasn't as bad because I, it was just the reading. But the second year I did that, it was fourth grade, fourth grade period. I was responsible for a fourth grade classroom. With all of the shaming and the blaming the teacher that society does today. What made you go into teaching? Oh, that's an interesting story. Um, not because I was going to be a fabulous teacher. I thought anything of the sort. I was actually a very young mother. I became a mom at 17 years old and I actually had um, stair steps. I had all four of my sons kind of back to back to back to back. Mm -hmm. um, and as a mom, that was just, that became my most important role to me. So every decision I made had to benefit my boys. And for me, that meant that I needed to be at home with them. I needed to be at home with them when they got out of school, on the weekends and holidays, but I still had to work. And I thought the perfect profession would be teaching. So that was my bright idea that I thought was my idea. But actually, it was really all divine because it, it really is my area of gifting. What gives you that feeling? How do you know that for sure? For people out there that say they don't know their purpose or they don't know what their gift is, how is it that you know teaching is your destined life? That's what you were put here to do. I, the way that people know is that you don't have to try. When something, God gives us all gifts. We all have natural abilities. 
Whatever your natural ability is, that's where your area of gifting lies. And my natural ability is in teaching. Whatever I do when I'm speaking, when I'm reading, I'm always teaching somebody something. Even when I'm sitting, this interview with you is to teach the people. So <laughs> I know that I know that that's my area of gift and I'm very, I'm good at it. So if you guys out there wondering what is your purpose, what natural talents did God give you? That's where your area of gifting lies. Okay, I'm going to hit a couple of hot buttons where teachers are generally blamed. And uh -huh. I want you to give me the teacher's perspective. Uh -huh. And the first one would be bullying. Because mm -hmm. uh, from the GP, you know, the society, the general population, mm -hmm. from the outside looking in, we think anytime a child commits suicide because they've been bullied or there's an extreme story that makes it to the news, the first mm -hmm. question is, where were the teachers? Absolutely. And it's so funny that you bring that topic up because I have really been an advocate of bullying for the past year now. I have a children's book about bullying. And I believe that the signs of bullying are so difficult for any adult to see, including parents, which is something that I talk about, signs for you to notice that your child is being bullied. We kind of I think as a whole, we we overlook bullying because we think it's a, a kid's issue or it's something that's not very serious. But as you said, children are committing suicide these days. And one of the reasons I believe that it is such an issue now more than ever is because of technology. We're in an age where children have access to each other 24-7. They're on Snapchat with each other. They're on Instagram with each other. There have been so many instances where I've seen kids bring issues that happen over the weekend. They bring it back to school. There's a fight. There's an issue. So it really is. I think bullying is something we all really need to educate ourselves on. We really do. So that we can look at the signs and be more cognizant. Now, one thing that a lot of school districts have done is they've made bullying a serious issue. It's a totally different um, violation. And when a, ch a child is bullied, they are taking it much more seriously than they did in the past. What are some signs that parents can look for to tell whether or not their child is being bullied? If your child is all of a sudden they don't want to go to school, they do whatever they can to get out of school, their behavior is withdrawn, they're, they have reasons why they're trying to get out of the classroom, they have to visit the nurse a lot, those are signs for you that some signs the parents can look at. I think the big one is, I don't want to go to school. All of a sudden, they just don't want to be there. They're doing everything they can to avoid that situation. And sometimes they, they may not tell you. They may not tell you because they may think that you're not going to do anything, nothing's really going to happen, or they just don't want to tell because now they're really going to bother me if I tell, you know? So, yeah. Now, as an African-American mother in 2016, mm -hmm. with four sons, mm -hmm. four, have you ever had to deal with one of your children being bullied? Well, my sons are all adults now. Mm -hmm. And no, I they never, never. But hey, it's four of them. So if you've messed with one, you probably... <laughs> You probably would have had to mess with all four of them. So I think they, you know, they were okay in that regard. Then it was it was a, a different time. 
It was a different time. They didn't have as much access to. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What can teachers look for? And then how how can we as the GP, you know, the society, the general population, how can we not blame teachers so much? Now, that is a good question. That second question is a good one. But I will talk about how teachers, I'll come back to that. I'll talk about how teachers can look for signs. This is what I do think when it comes to teachers. I think sometimes we may not take it as seriously as we should. What I do is I make it very clear in my class, no one in this class is going to feel bad. No one is going to leave out of here feeling like they don't belong. No one is leaving out of this classroom having bad feelings. So if you think that's what you're going to do in here, you have the wrong classroom. Chantel was in the house. Sit down. We get ready to take, bro. I got stuff to do today. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I I really, I I just have that no nonsense attitude because I know how devastating that could be to a child to just feel like I don't want to go in here because I'm going to be ridiculed and picked on. And I never want people to feel like that. So I make it clear. Oh, you're not doing that in here. <laughs> and I think we just need to set that in our, in, our, in our classrooms, make that a community, change that community in the classroom so that they know, oh yeah, she, she's like, you know, Miss Reed, I hear that a lot from my kids. You know, Miss Reed don't like that. Miss Reed don't. You have to set a standard. You have to set a standard. <laughs> Teachers are also given a lot of responsibility in where they're expected to take on the responsibility of raising kids. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I, and I personally kind of take that on because I know the, the day, the times that we live in. I have so many kids call me mom by mistake. You know, they're used to the way you treat them. So mm-hmm. mom comes out before they know it ain't like, oh, I meant Miss Reed. But you are there, pretty much you are. I know that it sh- probably shouldn't be, but you, you spend eight hours of the day with them. You're responsible for them. So in a lot of ways, you are, you are shaping this character. That's part of teaching. You are shaping their character. And I just believe that that's part of our job, especially in today's society. Test scores. Mm-hmm. Teachers are pressured to teach the test versus ensuring that the student has a good grasp on the subject. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. That, <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. Because I feel a certain way about that. Mm-hmm. With, with It's not fair. And it, it's making teaching very difficult. And it takes the fun and the love out of teaching when you have to, I don't want to say teach to the test, but that's almost what, what it has come to. You can't, creativity is gone. Um, and, and it really is sad. You, did you see that report about people cheating? I mean, people are actually cheating on tests so that they can keep a job or get a raise or whatever. But it's just, it's, there's so much pressure on teachers from all sides. You have the parents, you have society, you have the administrators, and we get the bulk of everything because we're expected to raise all, to wear all of these hats. And we're expected to be not human when we really are human. I think people take that away from us and think that we're super people when we're just human beings. Yeah. What I really found interesting was the case out of Atlanta and mm-hmm. where the 11 education professionals 
yeah. were given prison time. Yes. For cheating on standardized tests. Yes. On behalf of the kids, it, it it shows that one, we are still individually responsible for our own behavior, despite mm -hmm. what you say your supervisor said to do, or what the norm is, or what's usual right. and customary. Right. Are teachers really given that much pressure? From. I, I believe it. I, I absolutely believe it. I don't believe that punishment was fair, but hey, I didn't give the punishment. I think they should have lost their jobs, but I do believe they are under that much pressure to, to, for kids to succeed on a test that is really biased, that a lot of children are not going to pass anyway, yeah. but that might be another show. <laughs> <laughs> now, why, do you think, why do you think that the punishment wasn't fair? You think it was too harsh? Not harsh enough? I think it was too harsh. I think it was too harsh. How many, what, you have some other crimes that people could commit and not go to jail or get probation, but you put these people in prison, I, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> Maybe suspend them, take away their licenses, but to take, to throw them in jail over cheating of a test, I mean, really, when rapists can go free, something is wrong with that picture. So. <laughs> I read a statistic the other day that said 20% of veteran teachers that have a great deal of experience but are still too young to retire are leaving the teaching profession in scores every year, 20% across the nation. Why do you think that is? I believe there are several factors. One, the fact that teachers still don't get paid anything. You, the pay, I'm in North Carolina now, and I would not tell anybody to come here to be a teacher. It's worse than Chicago. It is not a good, you don't get paid well. You're not appreciated. We just talked about how the fingers are pointed. You're not appreciated. And the test scores, the pressure to, there are so many, teacher burnout, we're burnt out, we're tired. And now there is a different caliber of children now than there used to be, and that is the truth. And so teaching becomes this thing that can be very stressful, like a stressful day, when at one time it, could, it was just a good time where you got to teach children. And there was a time when teachers were held in high esteem. Very much so, very that much is, so. That's no longer the case. That's no longer the case. I can tell you during Teacher Appreciation Week, I put posts up every day. I'm like, like yes, tell your teacher. Do you know, I, I won't get a like on that post. And, and, and Facebook may not be the determining factor, but I think if I put something else up there and I'm getting likes, but we don't, we're not celebrating our teachers. We're not very, we're not respected. So I think those are some reasons why people are leaving. Teaching. It used to be that the teacher in the neighborhood was highly regarded, mm -hmm. very respected, mm -hmm. and what he or she said was golden. Right. I mean, if that if that teacher stopped by the house after school and, <laughs> and told your parent you had been cutting yeah. up at school that day, she didn't even ask. Right. What exactly. did they, <laughs> What did you do? Right. The teacher was right, and, it, and she was. How? What do you think happened that teachers lost that esteem? I think parents changed. Mm. Parents are much, much younger, a, a lot of them, and I think the parents are different. The parents are different. It, so now you have a lot of young parents, 
and we're in a different age now. So the children we have now, they're in an age of entitlement. They think they're supposed to have everything. And we give them everything because we want them to have what we didn't have. And they think they're supposed to get, get, get. So now it's no longer what did my child do? How can I? Help? It's like, why, what did you do? Why did he say that? Well, I think it's always the teacher's fault. Mm -hmm. And then going back to why people are leaving. But I really believe the parents have changed. Again, we talked about how parent, teachers used to be valued. Yes. Those, those parents used to value the teachers. They used to respect them, but that's no longer the case now. Now, is it true that on average, a teacher spends $200 at the beginning of each semester for supplies for her classroom? Oh, absolutely. And probably more than that. As you think about, think about the children that come to school with no supplies. They have to get them somehow. We don't just let them sit there. So one, we, we decorate the classroom because we want it to be a nice environment for them. Then we go and get supplies for them because they're not going to have them. And they may have on brand new gym shoes, but they don't have a, a, a pack of paper or something to write with, but that's a whole nother story. So you have to get supplies for them and anything and throughout the year, you're always, you're always spending your money. You might want to celebrate and give them something, whatever the case may be, reward them, give out rewards. Teachers are always coming out of their pockets for something. And I believe $200 might be on the lower side. <laughs> wow. So what does the school provide? The school? Yes. <laughs> okay. 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 You might, you might get some basic tools here there. Next question. Right. <laughs> okay. What that that parent, that strong parent mm -hmm. that wants the best for her child, but doesn't have that teaching gift, doesn't know how to teach that child. How can a parent First, how can a parent prepare their child for kindergarten? So kindergarten is the most important grade. I am such an advocate. I always talk about and I keep pushing it. I have a blog about it. I keep pushing how parents have to be the first teacher. The first things you should do is prepare. When they're two, three years old, you should be teaching them their numbers, their alphabet, their name and how to recognize their alphabet, how to recognize their numbers, how to recognize the letter in their name, show them how to start writing their name, introduce colors, introduce shapes. There, you would not believe how much children can learn at a young age. Just imagine children who, who speak different languages because that's what they, they heard. Mm -hmm. they could, they're three years old speaking different languages. You could teach your kids a lot. You have to prepare them because by the time they leave kindergarten, they're expected to be reading. And legally, your child doesn't even have to enter school until first grade. So you cannot let that be the first time your child gets introduced to the curriculum or they are already behind in school. How can a parent prepare their child for middle school? Middle school, now that's interesting because this is now a transition where they really need to learn how to get organized. Because in a lot of middle schools, they are now going to start transitioning in schools. I've been in middle schools for the past five years now, six years now. And I taught sixth grade for most of those times. I'm in the eighth grade now, love the eighth graders. Um, but the sixth graders, they're trying to get used to um, being organized. So a parent needs to help them with organization 
how to get all of those things in order. Now, here's what happens when kids enter middle school. A lot of parents think, oh, they're in middle school now. I could just let them go. They're going to do what they're supposed to do. They're not. Don't believe it. <laughs> you still need to be on everything. You know what the greatest tool that parents have now is called PowerSchool. PowerSchool is the electronic gradebook that is open to parents. Parents can go in and get their IDs and they could check every teacher that their child has grade book. They can see every what? grade. They can see every grade that the child has gotten. What's the name of it again? Power School. So the I, is it powerschool.com? No, it it's just that's just what they call it. Just call it Power School because you don't go to the, you have to go to your child's school to get your password. Okay. Now, I don't know if it's across the nation, but I do know it's in Chicago, where I came from, and I do know it's in North Carolina. So those two states, they have power school. And I tell parents, that's your best friend. You should never be in the dark. So as a middle school parent, that's a way that you could say, oh, okay, well, you're out here doing your own thing, but they're really not because you're checking those grades and you know how things are going. Mm -hmm. And you must communicate with teachers. Just communicate with the teachers. Send them emails. I saw that Johnny got a zero on this assignment, what happened, and just keep communication lines open with teachers. Now, being teacher extraordinaire, <laughs> because whatever they call you to do, you rise to the occasion, whether it's halftime principal, halftime teacher, <laughs> teaching fourth grade, teaching eighth grade. How do you find time to blog? How do you find time to stretch people to greatness? Where, where does all of that fit in? Oh, wow. Well, this is why I continue to stay. I've gone back to the classroom. Actually, I lost my job and I, as the assistant principal and I was unemployed for about a year. Um, but just recently being here in North Carolina and being in the classroom, uh, I use my summers a lot to do a lot of things. Like this summer, I did a conference for teen girls. This is because as you might can tell, my passion is really is for children. I just want to see them to do to do well. Um, but in, in, in the summer and then I'm talking to you like the weekend. I have to use every minute I have. I'm working. I'm always working. I'm almost never working. Even when, when I come home from my job at, at teaching, I'm coming home to write something, to blog something. I spend my weekends working. So I, I use all of my time. What's the name of the blog? Uh, it's on my website, Devonia Reed. So if you click on blog or it's divineread.com slash blog, you'll find my blog. And, and why, why did you start the blog? I started blogging really this summer because I realized that in all of my endeavors to reach children, I, it is going to be for not parents. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why I decided to start blogging is to try to get more parents, parent awareness, of certain topics that I think are really relevant to our children. And when you read, if you go through and you read some of them, you'll see that they're really, a, they're really taught to parents, but it's really about children. Such as? Such as the last one I wrote, which, which is about actually the village, about us all being a village, because I'm really a, a advocate of serving children and getting out there and reaching kids that we do not know. But another one I've written is about uh, parents as teachers, 
teaching our little ones while they're little. Another one is about television and keeping them away from the television and being intentional about everything that we expose our children to because everything that they're taking in is coming out. It is coming out in some way, shape, or fashion. So if they're watching Power and Empire <laughs> and those things that they should not be watching, and I know they watch them because they come to school to t and tell me, middle school's children shouldn't be watching that either. They're, we're just, we're letting, exposing them to so much and we're wondering why they are like they are. And that's the reason. Wow. Uh, Demonia Rich, she also speaks. <laughs> I do. Where does that come in? Well, you know, well, I recently, <laughs> that's something kind of new that I realized that is also a gift from God. I just recently joined Toastmasters International to um, refine that gift of teaching. Mm -hmm. And whenever I get a chance to speak to people, I have the Welcome to Queendom, Welcome to the Queendom. That's a nonprofit for teen girls. And this summer, I was one of the speakers. I realized I'm, a, I'm really an advocate of when opportunities don't come to you, you have to make your opportunities. So I just recently did a virtual conference where I was one of the speakers that was this past week. So I want one of my, I'm here to serve and I'm just trying to serve my gift to the world and do good do, and, and give back everything that God has given me to give back to people. That's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It you is a lot. busy sister. Yeah, I, I definitely am. I am. I am. Now, so, what would you say in the line of, I guess, um, advice? Or if you were given a microphone and said, if you were given a microphone and told, you're speaking on behalf of every teacher in the United States of America. What are three things you would like the U.S. to know on behalf of teachers? The first thing I would like you all to know is that we're not superhuman. We are human beings just like you. We cry, we hurt, we bleed. So please treat us like human beings. The second thing I would like you to know is that we want more than anything to partner with you. We want you to come to join us, parents, especially. We're not your enemy. And I believe that many times parents think that they have to battle the teacher when what we want is really for your child to succeed. I personally cannot see anyone teaching to harm a, ch a child. This is just a, a job that's very difficult to do if you're not in it to get children where they need to be. So please know that. The third thing, we need a raise. We need some more money. Pay us. Pay us.